It is without further ado that I introduce our special guest today. Kate, how are you? I'm really well, thanks. And I'm happy to be here too. I've been looking forward to this. I know we've been having a great chat catching up <laughs> thus far. Yeah. But you have an incredible story and you have been touched by cancer in many ways, more so than anyone I have ever come across. And today, I think not only am I super lucky, but our listeners are also very lucky that you get to share your experience with cancer. Before we get into things, I wanted to ask, what was your life like prior to cancer? Like, can you let us know a little bit about who you are, your upbringing, where you're from originally? Sure. I was born in Melbourne. I'm the eldest of six kids. My parents were Irish Catholics, very strict Catholics, and my six kids were born within eight years, and I'm the eldest. And it was made me very strong, being the eldest, and mum was often not well, so from childhood illness. So that was, was, sometimes I didn't like it, but I think I'm really grateful for it now. And what happened was when I was eight, dad moved us all to Melbourne. He was a teacher. And we stayed, we lived there until I decided to go overseas when I was nine, no, 20. And I sang on a ship for six weeks and I met the love of my life in a pub in Cornwall and I married him 10 months later, still is, my best friend. <laughs> so you can imagine, and I was, when I was doing this time was, you can't live on music. I mean, I'm not, no, I can't. So I often worked in doctors' rooms, surgeons. I worked for for a few years to pay the school fees for my two adult kids. They're adults now, but pay the school fees. And I was just before I got cancer, I changed jobs and I was a clinic coordinator for a medical place for a doctor. And uh, yeah, I just can't. And I was so excited. Life was good. I was so so excited. I had a, a show that was actually for the first time in my life booked out. And it was on a Saturday, the 5th of May. And I found out I had cancer out of the blue, not expected. Just couldn't believe my ears on the 4th of May. Oh, my goodness. So what that, year was so that's that? What I was, 2011 in November. I remember I was a Saturday morning and I was reading the paper and having a cup of tea. And I, my left breast just felt suddenly a bit sore. I don't do breast exams very often. I'm very naughty. I leave it to the doctor. But there it was. It was this marble, sort of hard, marbly tender lump in my left breast and I've had cysts before so I decided to just sit on it not didn't tell my husband didn't tell anybody I just thought about it for a week do it is it going to be another cyst but the fact that it was different my intuition told me to go and get it looked at so I went and got a needle biopsy and the needle biopsy came back and the radiographer did it and said oh it came back from the lab saying it's just a hormonal thing so I was relieved and you don't, I didn't need to go back for two years. So good. I wasn't going to go back for two years. My boss saw the results and she just said, isn't that good? You go back in two years. Six months later, I had a call from the radiographer, Ring, rang me at work because I'd ignored the mail and said, you haven't made an appointment for a follow-up. And I said, no. She actually rang me in person, not as her receptionist, but surprised me. And made me promise to go in and get one. So I went in on the Wednesday before my show and had the punch biopsy this time. And out of the blue, I'm in, look, look, shopping in with my husband in some fancy dress place. And the phone rings and she goes, it's me. And have you got anyone with you? And are you driving? And said no and I she said I want you to sit down and she told me I had a very aggressive cancer <gasps> and that 
I just couldn't believe it because I was not expecting it. But then again, if no one expects it, do they? But I had, I just didn't even cross my mind it was anything to worry about. So mm. I went numb. So anyway, I yeah, did the show the next day somehow, but that was the start of it. And then I found myself having surgery. And then I had a lot of radiation, 33 treatments of radiation. But I escaped the chemo because a lot yes. of, and the other, I know. But this all started with my sister, Genevieve, the youngest one. She's just the most amazing, courageous person. And she had cervical cancer 20 years ago and just got a kidney stone last year. And they were doing an ultrasound and found she had stage 3C ovarian cancer. She's doing fine now. But on the very same day, my brother who had bowel cancer was told he has six weeks to live. My poor father was just unbelievable. Yeah. And then I've got, then my mother had cancer and my other brother had cancer, bowel cancer, both bowel cancer. So yeah, five out of eight, how many of us? Yeah, five out of eight of us. No, six out of eight. No, five out of eight of us. Dad's okay. So (laughs) Just unbelievable. And then I decided to go and work with cancer patients after that when I got better. So you were diagnosed in 2011? Yes. How long did the treatment go on for? Till from finished in August. The following that, August. That, yeah. So start, the surgery was in May 2012. And then by the time that they make you wait a little while until you've healed up from the surgery and then they do the radiation. That was really weird having the radiation. Did you have that? No, I just had I chemo. Like I a, oh, right. I'm glad mm. I didn't have chemo. Mm. I was in like, it, I'm sure it's improved and it's different. They were all so lovely, but it was like, I thought I felt like I was in a Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. Because everyone <laughs> leaves you and you're in this big white room and then there's these laser beams that they've tattooed your little chest where they want to zoom it. But, yes, yeah, didn't take long, but it was just amazing. Yeah, 2012, they just zeroed in the beam. To them. Mm. I'm sure there was no mm. mask, yeah. So were you in remission after that? Yes, never. No, I've, just, I've never, ever had to go back, and I have had it checked. I have to go and have another one, but I'm fine now. As far as I'm concerned, I'm cured, but I've just got to be vigilant. Does it scare you, the thought of, like, do you still put those tests off? Yes, and you know what? Whenever you get a pain in your hip or something like that, they chuff you off for a bone scan or something else. Mm. This, that freaks me out too. But I, I just didn't, I just can't believe how brave people can be when they have cancer. I've got lovely friends who have been incredibly courageous and positive, and my brothers and sister, amazing. It's, you know what it's like. I'm sure. It's just, what was um, that? Oh, it's incredible. It's And even within ourselves, it's so amazing, the strength that we have and that we can yes. find, which I think we carry that with us for the rest of our lives. What was it like for your partner and kids when you were sick? Grant, my husband, couldn't believe it like me. But then again, it happens to people all the time. So why not me? He has been, he was fabulous. He, without telling me, rang my musicians. And so they all were fantastic. I didn't have to tell anybody anything and they were very nice the next night. He went to every single treatment with me, the whole 33. Wow. And my kids, one was living overseas and the other one was interstate, but they were fabulous too. I've got great kids. I'm really, I'm so blessed. But who, I mean, my, my sister was saved by a radiographer. And I was saved by a radiographer. Yeah. It's just so, so lucky. 
So if she hadn't rung me, that if she hadn't rung me and made me promise to go and have that punch biopsy, mm. the surgeon told me I would have been dead within twelve months. Wow. Wow. So, and I'm, yeah, that's what freaked me out. And I didn't feel sick or anything like other people when they have cancers. I felt perfectly normal. You didn't feel anything yeah. at all. No, and like I remember going to the supermarket and looking around at everybody in the supermarket and thinking, I mean, like if I don't have this done, I won't be here in 12 months. And how many other people are walking around as well? I, I often think that. That have no idea. You just never know. No. Mm. Yeah, see, mine was a lump in my groin and it grew and grew and grew and grew and it was huge. It ended up being the size of like a golf ball. And my doctors kept telling me, what well, one doctor kept telling me that it was fine. And uh, that nothing was wrong. But in the end, yeah, it was stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it's pretty oh crazy to think. Stage four. Yeah, it was just prolonged because he'd never had a cancer patient or like he'd never had an existing patient come to him with cancer. So your life, by the sounds of things, changed pretty dramatically from then on. In terms of yes. were your siblings diagnosed after your diagnosis? My mum about 12 or 13 years ago was diagnosed with bowel cancer so we all trotted off to get a colonoscopy except for one and one of the brothers who's a very healthy fit pilot for one of the major airlines he had reckoned he had no symptoms at all and he had bowel cancer wow really quite bad and I don't understand why he didn't have any symptoms but anyway he said he didn't uh, my other brother just had a precancerous polyp removed, thank goodness, like me. With no, then I thought oh, that's the end of cancer. And then I got my cancer in 2012. And then Jennifer, I mean, my brother Tom, he got his about four years later. And the re- he's the one that didn't have the colonoscopy because he was too busy to have it. Yeah. He didn't want, yeah. So he came and stayed with us for about 10 months, which was just was so wonderful but heartbreaking as well we my husband went with him to all his visits at the surgeons and stuff like that because you don't hear anything if you go on your own do you yeah and yeah and then we went on the journey with him but it wasn't good because it started spreading and Mm. went to his in the end he battled it he did everything you can think of you name it he tried but now the universe took him home I just it was really sad he died last year in May I really missed him. It really almost broke me losing my brother because we're very close. Mm. We used to speak nearly every day and work together. He was a composer, musician and a very well-known one. And we did a lot of work for the ABC in Sydney with musically and in Melbourne as well. So, But he was really special. He was the second eldest. Oh, so, so we were sorry. the terrible two. The terrible I know, two. Ter- I know. I know. But I just have to think at least he's not suffering anymore. So... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think? And Genevieve's doing well. Yeah, she's amazing. What she went through too. Just never Mm. give up. You just got to sink or swim. And as hard as it is, who wants to sink? You just want to swim, don't you? So yeah, just got to go with it. Roll with the punches. And like I think a lot of people who are listening to this that may have not been affected by cancer or a serious health illness of sorts might not really know what that feels like or how to do that but once you're thrown into the trenches you've just got to like do whatever you can yeah and Mm. I think when I took a job much to my husband's horror I took a job at one of the major doors here in Brisbane 
who treats cancer patients. In those, it was 2013, I started work there. And uh, yeah, it was a new role, a patient liaison person. So my role was to help the nurse run the pre-admission clinic, pull in counsellors if I thought anyone needed them, get them to talk to me, take them for a tour of the hospital, etc. And I got really close to them and their families. I loved them. Mm-hmm. Great work. Got to know the doctors. But I had to leave after eight months. I got too close to them. But I learned yeah. a lot about, even more about cancer and the courage that people have got. And I was able to say to some people, come on, I was like you this time last year, don't drop your bundle. Yep. nearly there that kind of thing and like they take it from me because I'd had it but I admire doctors and nurses I don't know how they deal with it I'd be crying every day me too because you love the patients yeah oh it'd be heartbreaking but yeah we're living proof that sometimes we can come through the other side do you think cancer as a whole like I know this is a kind of a broad question and I'm not sure how you'll answer this and or like if I'm asking the wrong question, but in terms of your family and having all these diagnoses, has it you stronger for it or has it, I don't know, is there more distance or yeah, how has it changed your family? I think it's definitely made us very much closer. Yeah. My dad's 93. He's a stoic man. He's super fit, mm. still drives, does community work. In fact, <laughs> one thing I noticed he also belongs to the Legion of Mary. He's very Catholic. Mm-hmm. He's the secretary. And he sent me all these miraculous medals that um, I had one on my Pandora bracelet. And some of the patients asked me what it was. And I had a stash in my pocket. And I'd give them to them. Even the atheists asked for some eventually. And I was waiting to get into trouble, but I never did. Because some people apparently <laughs> died with it around their neck. So it gave them some comfort. But good old dad. <laughs> I'm glad he's religious. That's how he coped, I think, with everything. What, like, how does he ever talk too much about it or? Oh, yes, I get him to talk. Yeah. Mm. An academic is, yeah, he's good. But um, I'd like him to open up a bit more, but it breaks him, I think, just to think about Tom last year. Mum was pretty sick too, but that's a while ago. That was 10 years, 10 years ago, Mum died. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I think if there's anything that I've learned from doing this podcast is like, Grief comes in many different shapes and cancer still manages to break our hearts regardless of how soon or how long something has happened. I know it's true, absolutely. Mm. But there's gifts in that, like as hideous as it was, and I don't wish this on anybody, but it does actually, it does make you more resilient. And also I think I appreciate a lot, everything much more. I realise everything is temporary. And not to take everybody for granted anymore. Just it's, I'm a different person, I think, from that horrible experience. I hope I am. I'm a better person, but <laughs> been pretty humbly. I learned the hard way. That's why the universe did it. Yeah, everyone that I talk to on this podcast, I'm like, are you a better person? They're like, yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, I want to talk because this podcast is designed to ultimately interview people like yourself and people that we just, we talk to, sorry, it's about mental health and coping mechanisms and how we can get through trying times. What was your mental health like during your diagnosis? Initially disbelief. I just couldn't accept I had it. And then I think I just, I don't think I really addressed it for a long time. I just stuffed it down and ever onwards and be brave for everybody I know. 
But um, I think that a few things that did help me were my sister Genevieve had sent me some things that helped her, which were like meditation tapes and books. Yeah, and I'm quite spiritual, so I believe in another the other side. So asking angels and everybody to help me. But if, I don't, I don't know. I think I was on remote control for a while. But I'm okay. I was okay in the end. I think talking about it really helped me a lot. Did you seek any mental health advice? Like, no, no. No. It was offered to me though. It was offered. I just poor my poor husband got an earful every day. But he was just gotta to talk to your friends and family, I think. The people that don't mind listening. And I'm pretty lucky. How did I meet him so early? And you just it's pure luck, really. <laughs> yeah, I was in a pub in Cornwall. <laughs> were you drunk not quite I spotted him before the evening went on with my sister my other sister she's been incredible too Maggie looking after everybody because I don't live down there and she's just incredible too ever onwards and positive and just knows when to give meals just arrives with meals for everybody and yeah I think everybody's really pulled together through this cancer journey as horrible as I wish no one had it but I think we're closer because of it yeah well you would be I know this is a personal question, but for example, when a new diagnosis has popped up, because there's been quite a few in your family now, is there a way in which everyone just immediately deals with it? Or do you think there's a sense of numbness to that? I think it's numbness initially. I can't believe it. But again, I guess I maybe it's the Irish Catholic thing ever onwards. You just got to deal with it and it's shit, basically. Mm. Yeah. it's one. Of, it's, I just can't believe that. I thought we were the healthiest family in the world, really. And no. it just came out of out of the blue, just so many of us. I guess it doesn't define whether you are healthy or not in, in, in a sense of like being fit and eating well and living mm. clean, well lives, but it's just like cancer will do whatever it wants to whoever it wants. And yeah. Um, no one's safe, really. No, just got. To, I think also, I think emotions affect your health. And I was very stressed when I got cancer. My husband had just been oh, a few months earlier; he'd been retrenched, and also my very stressful new job because my previous job I'd been in for twelve years, and yeah. so this was. I was just trying to stretch myself, and that was. You get stressed when you start a new job, and I just wonder if that was what it was. Don't know. Mm. I think stress does have a big thing to do with it. So if you're yeah. stressing, try not to stress because yes, that's true. The side effects from that. I have a girlfriend actually, and she has a very bad liver condition. And basically they've told her, uh, I don't know if it's like a particular doctor or someone of sorts, but they've told her that if she keeps going the way that she is, if she keeps stressing out eventually, it'll just, it'll turn to cancer at some point. And so she's constantly stressing out about if it's going to turn to cancer or not. And I'm like, you need to stop. Oh, poor girl. Just journaling and writing out your feelings and getting them out of your body. Absolutely. I find that very useful. And that was going to be my next question. So you've touched on a little bit of coping mechanisms, such as meditation, prayers, and then you said speaking to loved ones. Do you, you also agree that journaling is great? Very much so, yeah, because you can get it all out on paper. No one has to see it, but it's just a relief to get it out. Oh, absolutely. And I think there's many different ways that you can do it as well nowadays, even like for if you use TikTok or something like that. Like yeah. I have a mate who's currently going through it and her partner, they have an Instagram journal to keep everyone up to date, like all the family members and that kind of thing. And that's its own kind of journaling. I myself like to put pen to paper. 
which I think Very you're good. the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like writing. I know it's fashion. It's fun. Is there anything else that you did in terms of that time of your life or that you still continue to do in terms of coping oh, mechanisms? Lots of music, singing. I do meditate still, but I don't do it every day, which I've decided because I keep getting, when I get, I've got a chronic condition that I get, nothing to do with cancer. Every time I'm stressed, bingo, it comes mm. back like UTIs. Yeah. And uh, my friend, I just talking to my friend who meditates every day and you're going to speak to her soon. And she's so serene. So I want to be like that too. And then I won't get stressed. So I've got to make myself do it every morning. I've started yesterday to do it every day. <laughs> Go to Kate. walk every day. <laughs> I'll be serene one day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're so positive, which is so amazing. And yeah, I think it's really special. And I wanna, I would, I already know this part, but our listeners don't know. But is there something in particular that makes you proud of yourself during this time? This might sound funny, but my no, my dream was that I had a sold out show for the first time in my life. I'm a singer, and it was. 24 hours later after my diagnosis which took the shine I thought I wish she'd rung me on Monday instead of the Friday and somehow I pulled it off and no one had any idea so I was proud of myself for doing that I didn't feel like it but I did it and it went really well too probably the best show I've ever done good old adrenaline but I, what else did it I, I don't know I've also managed I've appreciated I've got to see the world so I've been overseas four times in that time after I've had cancer Yes. Got to New York at last, and I even got to record in New York. So yeah, so this makes you make makes you get back on the the train of life and decide not to put things off because mm. we don't know what's going to happen, and also to make sure that we tell everyone that we really love them. Like one of the patients I dealt with in that cancer hospital, I'll never forget to the day I died. There's three I remember, but this one, she was only in her thirties and. She and her husband had been given the worst news and the doctor, the oncologist, bless him, was too busy to stay because she was in a mess because they'd come back and he didn't have a good prognosis for her. So I had the job of giving them tea and cake and sitting with them in the doctor's office. And I just let her talk for a while and then she goes, should I have treatment? And I said, well, I can't really tell you because she would have been really sick again and who knew if it would work I said that's between you and your husband to work out and then I said to her even though this really sucks it had been the time when the Boston Marathon had just been on yeah I can remember that and I said well this this is only a few days early and I'd said oh there were these runners that were young and would never have dreamt they wouldn't be alive the next day and they were blown up and none of their family they never got to say goodbye to anybody and it's really tragic and we're all going to die and we just don't know when and she had two little girls and I said what do you think you can do and she was saying she thought she'd do journaling and make some videos and all that stuff for her girls and I said well that's wonderful and then yeah I thought that was and I'll get the red kite in for the kids so they could be counselled for and for the family the cancer council are great aren't they they really have a lot of services oh they're incredible yeah so I'll never forget her I don't know what happened because I left because I got too upset. But eight months of that, some of it was really good too. I mean, a lot of people did get better. How amazing that service exists because I didn't know yes. that, that that was a thing. Yeah, they did that. Was I don't know if it's still going, but it, I was the first one they had because I didn't want to be a secretary again. But I loved the people. I loved the patients. 
I hope I helped some people. They certainly gave me a lot in terms of inspiration, that's for sure. And how nice are the medical staff? They're Mm. unreal how they do their job. It's out of this world. So lovely. So you worked there for eight months. Yes. Yes. And then you had to step away. I did. And then I went back to working for a friend of mine who was a doctor for three years. And then I decided, no, I'm going to chase my dreams now. It's time to do what I really want to do. And so I got myself an agent and I've had lots of fun. I was doing it that the odd movie and the odd commercial before I got cancer and I've continued. And it's also what I'm really grateful for is that I also work as a medical actor, simulated patient, which a lot of actors like to do because it's method acting and you, gee, you learn a lot. And that's the University of Queensland. I'm so impressed how they teach all their medical students and that's all the allied health as well. How to, how, you know, breaking bad news is one of the ones I get to cry and everything, but they're training them how to give the worst news which we've had I've learned um, so much from you already (laughs) oh really yeah so do you do that often yeah I have been lately I just whenever they I mean their COVID really affected the university of course they lost a lot of their overseas students and so their budget's been cut but I'm lucky enough to have have, it's only casual work so I just do it here and there but I I have had quite a bit this year and I'm really grateful for that yeah and do the exams and things like that as well but I love the medical students you're inspiring oh they get incredible (laughs) yeah yeah they're great yeah who knew back yeah who knew that this would happen yeah (laughs) what what does giving feedback look like saying things like I felt as the patient so-and-so that you could have spoken a little bit more slowly and that I felt like you weren't really interested in me because you were looking away all the time. And also when you said that, it made me feel really uncomfortable. Things like that. But tactful because they're only students, but you try to be very tactful, but it's great to be able to say that because I think it's wonderful the training doctors, physios and speech therapists and occupational therapists etc to be very empathic and to listen and mm. be kind that's really I think it's great I don't think the old some of the older doctors I went to years ago were not like that but what I mean by I'm I'm learning so many things from you is for example I didn't know that was a part of training in order to become a doctor or a physio or a yeah. speech pathologist or, I didn't either and I, I think it's so impressive. I don't know how long it's been going. It's probably about 18 years or more, I think. But I think it's wonderful. And I'm very grateful I get to be a part of it. I learn so much because I <laughs> pretend I've got all these illnesses. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. And good how for your memory. Good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so cool, by the way, that you get to do that as a job. I think. Oh, I know. Believe me, I pinch. I'm so grateful. They're such <laughs> fantastic people that I work with. So. Very lucky, very blessed, just amazed. If you can if you can be switched on in terms of the positive sides of the world and what we're achieving and what we're doing and especially in the medical world. Yeah, it sure mm-hmm. is. And COVID didn't help. No, God no. But something that I have noticed since I've started doing the podcast, which I didn't prepare myself for when I started pre-recording a bunch of episodes, was that there are a lot of people that are listening to this that have friends who are diagnosed or for example a girl sent me a beautiful message today and um, her both of her best friends one of each parent 
has cancer or has recently been diagnosed with cancer. And she just feels so helpless because she doesn't know what to do. Both of her best friends have a parent each who have been diagnosed recently with cancer, which is so sad. And she just said, Jack, I've been listening to your podcast because I need help and I need some inspiration in terms of what to do. So I guess in terms of what I want to ask you is, do you have any advice for how people can be present, how people can be a good friend to their friends when they've just received a cancer diagnosis of sorts? Okay. One thing I think that you shouldn't say is you'll be right. You'll get over this and all that kind of stuff. I think it'd be really nice for them just to listen and be really empathic and say, yes, it sucks. And I'm here for you no matter what. And it's not the words that count, it's the actions in my opinion. So I would little things like painting their toenails or fingernails, giving, bringing them meals, contacting all the other relatives for them to tell them that an update of what's going on so that they don't have to tell everybody as well, like a bulletin for everybody. So they're spared that. Try to get them to speak about how they're feeling. So important. Yeah, and constantly be there. Yes. Yeah, I've also mentioned that. I said being there because sometimes people say that they don't want you to be there and that might be like physically they don't want you there, but that doesn't mean that you can't be there and show. And you can do things for them like meals on the doorstep or whatever, magazines, whatever, unobtrusive things because sometimes you do feel pretty crappy and you don't feel like seeing anybody no matter who it is. Yeah. I want to edit all of you guys and like get you in a big group chat and where we can take like, I don't know, a lighthearted episode about things that you shouldn't say to cancer patients because I think it is pretty, there's a lot They mean well, they really do mean, but sometimes they don't realise. But one other thing that's really good, apart Mm. from music, is comedy. Comedy is great. I want to get, they all watch TV when they're waiting for their chemo, right, all their patients, and some of them look dreadful, and it's awful, it's just got daytime TV on. And I don't think they should have, like, something funny going all the time, like a DVD or whatever, playing to make people laugh, so that they, because I think laughter's healing, it's been proven, hasn't it? Absolutely. And a a positive distraction. Yes. They're Mm. not their cancer. They're still them. It's a horrible bump in the road and one I hope they'll get over. But, yeah, it's a good distraction. I agree. Absolutely. Is there anything in particular that we haven't touched on that you want to highlight about your cancer journey? It made me realise that life is to be treasured because I took it for granted, including my health. Again, everything's temporary. And I can't believe the kindness of everybody. I think that, yeah, let people be kind to you, but the kindness and love you get even from strangers if they find out, if we tell them. It's amazing. But never sink, always swim, no matter what. Yeah, keep swimming. I've got a big bucket list. I've got a long way to go. I've got some other things I've got to do. I wanted to know, I guess you just gave a solid piece of advice, which is keep swimming. But is there anything else in terms of advice that you want to give to family members or an individual that's just been diagnosed with cancer, especially considering your history with cancer and it affecting you in so many different ways? I'd say be patient. Be patient with the person who's got cancer because I think sometimes they might get a bit annoying, but it's hard on the loved ones, I think, sometimes. Yeah, just to try and be understanding and patient because it's pretty scary. It's so scary. Yeah, but it's not fun, but we got through it. And yeah. I'm, most, I'm hoping that lots of other people will get through it. But I think love and kindness mean everything. I've learned that now too. 
Absolutely. And I think it, it does take a huge toll on our loved ones. It does, poor thing, especially when they love you so much. And you feel, I felt guilty putting everyone, my poor daughter and son, and they know are wonderful, um, only young, but you just, I mean, my husband and my family, you hate wearing them. Mm. I felt a bit guilty about that. But anyway, we've all got through it, so, except for my brother last year. Yeah. Anyway, at least he's at peace. What has life after cancer been like for you other than shocking at times? Oh, really good now. I mean, very positive. And I've actually got my very first grandchild. I never thought I'd ever be a grandmother, but I am. He lives in Dubai. So So, there you go. I've got a grandchild. But, yeah, there's a whole big world out there, and I don't care if you look at the news and there's all these awful things going on. I think there's a lot of good things happening out there too, and you can choose to be positive or negative. No good being negative. Mm. Things just get worse. So... I think the power of positive thinking, that corny old line, I think it's really useful. It's so important. Thank you, Kate. That's a, I think that's a wrap for us. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real honour. Thank you. I love meeting you. That's okay. Your, your positivity is amazing. It's so special.